to throw a rope of hope. Thank you for letting us be here today and to present the ministry and tell about the ministry, but also to preach to you. And uh, we've had a good time. Enjoy your pastor and his family. They're a blessing. And we've sure enjoyed ourselves. Good to have some family with us tonight. Uh, Brother Nathan Heckle and Miss Betsy are here with us in the service. Uh, they just recently moved down our way and are finishing their move down toward the ranch ministries. Going to be helping there in the ranch some, but also there are church planters in Henrietta, Oklahoma, which is about 30 miles from us. Uh, I don't know how many times I traveled up to the church planters conference and on the way back home had a burden to plant a church somewhere. And I'd always drive through Henrietta because it was on the way and there's places to stop and get something to drink or something to eat there. So we'd whip off in Henrietta and I would tell Miss Jenny year after year, you know, there needs to be a good independent Baptist church here in Henrietta. Maybe the Lord will let us do that someday. And so one of the trips back from there, we stopped and we were driving around looking at places that were for sale and storefronts and things. And a long story, and I won't give you the whole story, but the Lord allowed us to purchase a middle school, empty middle school building in the town of Henrietta on sitting on about a half a square block city block and the land and the building and everything. The people originally wanted like 175000 for it, which was really probably a good deal, but we just didn't have the, the funds or the, uh, the green light to go ahead and do something. And the next thing I know, a realtor lady was calling saying, did you know the building's available for less money? So I called the people and they said, yeah, we'd take a lot less for it. And I said, would you take 45000 for it? And she said, is that an offer? I said, would you go for 35? No, I said, I said, I think it would be an offer. I talked to the men there at the ranch, and they're like, man, if we could make them an offer like that, if they'd take it, that'd be great. And she said, let me talk to my husband. So I sent out a text to about 10 or 12 friends of mine, preacher friends of mine and business friends of mine. I told them, I said, we need to pray right now. I said, we just made an offer on a building in Henrietta. And I said, if we get this thing bought, we're going to buy this building for around $45,000, $50,000. It's going it's to happen. And so y'all pray. I got a phone call immediately from one of the guys I sent it to, and he said, I've never, been able, I've never been one for thinking one guy ought to do everything. But he said, I'll do this. He said, I'll give 25000 if you raise 25000 He said, I'll match it. And then he says, matter of fact, I'm writing the check now and putting it in the mail because I know you're going to raise 25000 And in a few minutes, Brother Eric, text just started coming in from just those guys, and the $25,000 was raised. He sent the 25000 We bought the building. And it sat there, I don't know, Brother Nathan, it sat there a couple of years, I guess, and we didn't do anything. Still meeting in the motel, a uh, little, little uh, room in the motel there in town. I just couldn't get, I just couldn't get the, the, the go-ahead. I didn't feel like I was getting the go-ahead from the Lord to try to do something. We didn't have anybody to take the church plant, and it just kind of sat. And um, I resigned as pastor and director of the ministry. Brother Cameron came in as pastor. And sometimes young shoes can get stuff done. And Brother Cameron got on the ball and started praying, asking the Lord to do something, open doors, talk to Brother Nathan and Miss Betsy about the possibility of them having them pray about uh, taking the church plant there in Henrietta. Brother Nathan felt like it was time for the Lord to put him in the pastor somewhere. And just they prayed about it, and God has just led them to do that. So they're, they're down with us now. They had 28 this morning, I think he said, uh, at church this morning there in that little uh, school building. It's not small. It's... Um, it's, uh, we're, we're way ahead of the game with that building, I'll tell you. The Lord was good and blessed, and there's Sunday school rooms, there's a big auditorium, and it's, you know, there's some things that need work. It was a life church before it was a, 
a Baptist church, and so the auditorium is all black, walls, floor, ceiling, everything's black in it. And so we're going to change that, I believe. We're going to brighten that up a little bit. And, uh, but they're meeting in that building right now and doing work in that building, and God is blessing. And so I'm glad they're here tonight. They came back up today. They were in services this morning and came back up today. They've got to get the rest of their stuff and move down to the ranch. And so we've got a house there for them to live in for the time being or however long the Lord has. And so they've got to finish up here. So they stopped by to be here for church tonight. So I'm thankful they did that. And so they're like family to us. Uh, Betsy grew up in Eufaula. Her mom was our secretary, financial secretary at the ranch for I don't know how many years, Miss Betsy, 12, 15, 20, I don't know, a long time. They were in our church, and her mom uh, passed away. Then her dad moved up here to Oklahoma City, remarried. Then her dad went to heaven. And so uh, they come down. They've been coming down for several years now, having Christmas with our family. So they're just like family to us. And so uh, they have a son, uh, Jeremiah, who has a birthday on the same day as mine. Uh, it's got to be good for him. And so, <laughs> But um, he's gone to camp, I think, with Southwest. He's gone to got on the bus and gone to camp. And so... Uh, but we're thankful for him. He's a grandson to us for sure. So we've got a lot of grandkids. God's blessed the ministry at Calvary. But not only do we have the church plant, but we have the men's program, the couples program. God's doing some great things. And there's men there right now that God is working in their life. There's men there right now who have wives and kids at home. Okay, they have a wife and kid. I said wives. <clears throat> <laughs> we're not Mormons. We're, <laughs> we're Baptists. But they have, they have a wife and kids back home. And, uh, but they've messed their life up, and until they get their life straightened out, they've, they've lost their home. But God can put all that back together, and we've seen God put it all back together. So we've seen him do some great things, and so you just got to come and see. I mean, we drove up here, and now that the speed limit's 75, you can run 80, and now that the speed limit's 75, you can be at the ranch in about an hour and 40 minutes. And so that's what it took us to get up here. So come and see. Come and see what God's doing. Come and see your pastor's been there, been to the ranch. He needs to come more often, but he's been there. And uh, But come and see what God's doing, and hopefully the video. And you can go on our website. There's brochures in the back at the table there. You can go on our website, and you can see that video again if you want to watch it again, just to see what God's doing, because God is changing lives and working in lives, and we're thankful to get to have a part and be a part of a ministry where God's doing something. And what a blessing it was to be here today. I was, I was blessed this morning. The building full of people. I mean, that was a blessing. There was a few in the over. I don't know if anybody's in the overflow tonight. Should I go peek or... <laughs> but but there was people in the overflow. The building was full. That's that's a blessing. That's refreshing. So we're we're thankful for what God's doing here at Cornerstone. And uh, I already know what time you normally get out on Sunday nights. So don't start worrying. You think, man, we're going to be here all night. He hasn't even started preaching yet. My preaching's like baloney. You can cut it off anywhere, and it works out just fine. <laughs> so don't worry about a thing. We're going to be fine. Everything's going to be good. So turn your Bibles to Mark chapter two. Thank you again, Brother Eric, for letting us come. And be here today and your friendship and the fellowship and the, the food. And I'm, I'm miserable right now trying to stand up here because of lunch. I ate way too much lunch. And I was sitting there just a while ago going, you know, it'd probably be good if we didn't even have preaching tonight. <laughs> Let's just sing and maybe get on. Hopefully they'll start testifying and there won't be no time for preaching. And I am still full from lunch. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I guess it's, I'm 60 years old. Did I tell you I'm 60 years old? Did I mention it? Yeah, everybody knows that. So. I love the scriptures in the Word of God. I love this story that we're going to read now. Like I told you, I've been in church all my life. I've heard the stories. Uh, I've been in vacation Bible school, Sunday school, flannel graph. 
Some of you know flannel graph. Some of the young people are like, what's flannel graph? Because now it's on screens. But it used to be flannel graph. They'd use the flannel type material stuff and stick it to the, to the board and, and would kind of act out the story that they were teaching in the Bible. And I can remember this story that we're going to read tonight. But I think it goes along with what you were talking about with bringing them in, the song Bring Them In, and then the ministry at Calvary and the ministry that Cornerstone Baptist Church is doing. Because in this story that we're going to read tonight, there's a man that needs to get to Jesus. Because Jesus can change his life. In this story tonight, there's a man. See, if I repeat myself, we're going to be here till 9 o'clock. In this story tonight, there's a man that needs to get to Jesus because Jesus can change his life. Amen. Yes, there we go. The more you amen, the faster I preach. Jesus can make, we know what he did in our life. I know what he did in my life, and you know what he did in your life. Outside the walls of your church, there's people out there that need Jesus Christ. Because he can make a difference in their life, just like he did in your life and in my life. But in this story, we're going to find this guy can't get there by himself. He can't get to Jesus by himself. But four men decided, you know what? We can do something about this. They grabbed the corner of this guy's bed, and they got him to Jesus. We're going to read the story. Jesus changed his life. Look with me in verse 1. And again, he entered into Capernaum after some days. Mark chapter 2, verse 1. Again, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. Boy, I like that last little statement right there. And he preached the word unto them. I'm all for doing what we have to do to get people to come. I'm all for, I, I've heard guys get up and just rant and rave over gimmicks, over giving things away or handing out suckers. I've heard all kinds of stuff. You know, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that to get people to come to church. I'm all for doing whatever we can do or whatever we have to do to get people to come to church. My dad used to say something like, I'd stand on my head and stack BBs if it make people come to church. That would probably make me come to church to see my dad do that. But I'm all for that. I'm all, I'm all for those kind of things. But the most important thing at church is the preaching of the word of God. That's, that's what's going to change a life. That's what's going to make a difference in, in a life. That's what made a difference in my life. That's what changed my life. March 10th, 1970, as an eight-year-old boy, I got saved as an eight-year-old boy. You know why I got saved at eight years old? Because I've been in church all my life hearing the word of God. The word of God makes a difference in a life. And there's people outside the walls of your church. They need what you get here every Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Sunday morning. They need what you get here. They need the preaching of the word of God. You've got a preacher that preaches the word of God. Somebody needs to help get them to Jesus. Jesus preached the word unto them. And if Jesus preached the word, we need to be preaching the word. There's some will say in our day-to-day, they say, well, this King James Bible just doesn't do it anymore. There's nothing wrong with this King James Bible. This King James Bible is just fine. A guy just talked to me this last week, started talking to me about preaching, how he loves preaching and everything. He said, now I grew up on a different translation of the Bible, and I still think it's good. And I still, it's, it's amazing to me why those guys think they got to try to convince everybody that they're doing the right thing. If you know you're right, you don't have to convince people of it. We know this King James Bible is right because it made a difference in my life and it made a difference in your life. Jesus preached the word. And if Jesus preached the word, we need to be preaching the word. That's just a little commercial. We'll move on from there. Verse 3. And they come unto him bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. Now there's four men. They grab the corner of this guy's bed and they're bringing him to Jesus. And you know, the only reason this doesn't work in our day to day is because these men's names weren't mentioned. That wouldn't work in our day to day. 
Come on, we'll do something for the Lord. We'll, we'll help get somebody to Jesus. We'll, we'll give in the offerings, the special offerings, but somebody needs to pat us on the back. We need to be, we need to be in somebody's publication telling about what we've done or what we did. Or These four men didn't get any advertisement. They didn't get their name mentioned. It just says, they, they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. That wasn't the important thing to him. And, and I pray, folks, maybe by the end of the service, we'll get, it, we'll get the burden in our heart to help get somebody to Jesus and not worry about if we get credit for it. Don't we understand that's going to take place when we get to heaven? Once we get to heaven, all, all the, the crowns and the, the rewards and the accolades are going to be passed out there. It's not here we need to be worrying about that. They brought this man to Jesus. When they could not come nigh unto him, verse 4, for the press... They uncovered the roof where he was. You know what they're saying? The house was so full of people, they couldn't get him in the house. And I've heard him say, too, if you preach this King James Bible, you won't have a crowd. Well, there's a pretty good crowd here this morning. I think you've been preaching the King James Bible, so I think that's not the problem. This is not the problem. It's not the preaching of this book that's the problem. It's the lack of preaching this book, the lack of living this book, the lack of reading this book. That's when the problems come in. When they could not come nigh, if y'all quit stopping me, I get this done a lot quicker. But y'all keep stopping me, make me chase rabbits. If y'all quit that, we get done. When they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. When they had broken it up, they let down the bed where in the sick of the palsy lay. Couldn't get in the house, carrying the man to Jesus. And he's, can you see him? I can picture him right now because I saw it enough in Sunday school. They're carrying him to Jesus. They get to the house. They can't get in the house. That's where most of us would have said, well, buddy, look. We got you this far. Um, uh, God bless you. He didn't need a God bless you. He needed to get to Jesus. We're going to put you on our prayer list. I'm all for prayer. And I, I'm thankful we have a praying church. And I'm thankful for that we can pray to the Lord and you'll hear our prayer. But he didn't need prayer. He needed somebody to get him to Jesus because Jesus could change his life. They get to the house. They can't get in the house. So somebody came up with an idea and said, oh, this is what we ought to do. Let's carry him up on the roof and let's cut a hole in the roof. And let's lower him down to Jesus. I, I can't help but, I told you this morning I was electrocuted. I didn't tell you about it. When I was three years old, I stuck tweezers in an electric receptacle. It lit up my life, literally, I'm telling you. And, and there's just, I think there may be a short in here, and sometimes it just shorts out. I was thinking about that. I was thinking, you know, when they brought that man to Jesus, they couldn't get in the house, and they came up with the idea to carry him up on the roof. I wonder what the guy on the bed thought. I just couldn't help but I wonder what that guy on that bed thought. Wait, whoa, whoa, you're going to do what? Don't worry about it. We got this. Doesn't it make you nervous when somebody tells you that? Now, wait, what are you going to do again? Don't worry about it. We got this. That scares me to death. I'm telling you when somebody tells me that. But they took this man on the roof. I see four men determined to get this man to Jesus. Folks, we got to get determined. We do realize, and it was talked about this morning, uh, somebody mentioned, made uh, reference to the fact that time is short. The Lord's coming back soon. I mean, I, and I know, I've been hearing it all my life. You've been hearing it all your life. It's closer now than it's ever been. You look at the way our country is. You look at the way things are going. There's no doubt the Lord's coming back soon. He's going to get us out of this mess. But you have friends, and I have friends. You have family, and I have family, family that are lost. They need to be saved, and somebody needs to help get them to Jesus. I understand we don't save them. I understand that. But we can help get them to the place where they can hear the preaching of the word of God and they can, there's, there's no salvation apart from this. There's no salvation. So they need to get to a place where they can hear this. You need to hear the word of God and the drawing of the Holy Spirit in order to get saved. That all goes together. We need that. You need that. And you've got to have that if somebody's going to get saved. But somebody needs to help get them to Jesus. 
That's where we come in. I told you this morning, we serve such a great God. If he, he loves us so much, if he didn't have a purpose for us here, he'd just take us to heaven. But he left us here for a purpose, and that's his purpose, and that's to help get others to him. That's what we're here for. These men did what they had to do. They did everything they could to get this man to Jesus, and it made a difference in his life. It changed their life. They got him to Jesus. They lowered him down to Jesus. Look at verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Look at 6. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? Now let me just tell you today. Let me tell you tonight. The scribes haven't died off. No, no. They're still around. They're in our church. They're in your church. They're in every church. What's it say their scribes are doing? They're sitting there. Excuse me, was there not a, a job being done? Wasn't there a man that needed to get to Jesus and there was four men out there taking a guy up on a roof, tearing a hole in a roof and lowering him down to Jesus while the scribes just sat there? You know, I heard, I heard the other day somebody made this statement. It was in a meeting somewhere. I heard this. It said 90% of the work in churches is done by 10% of the people. 90% of the work in churches is done by 10% of the people. Now, I don't know if that's every church. I don't know if that's this church. You know because you know what you do. So you know if it's true or not about your church. But in this case, I believe it was pretty true. The house is full, and there's four men trying to help get a man into Jesus. 90% of the work is done by 10% of the people. But the scribes are just sitting there. The house was full. Wouldn't this job have been easier if there had been eight men instead of four? If the Bible said this man was born of eight, eight men are carrying him, or 12, or 16, the more, the better when you're trying to do a work for the Lord. The more, you're going to knock more doors if more people get involved. You're going to hand out more tracts if more people get involved. You're going to reach more people if more people would get involved in inviting people to church. Come on, somebody needs to do something. How about us? I just like to think these four men had that, that, that mindset. Somebody needs to do something. This man needs to get to Jesus. We could do that. We could help get this man to Jesus. And they didn't stop till they got him there. But the scribes are sitting there. They're sitting there. I'll tell you what, too many times I think that's where we are. I think that's where we are in this story many times is just sitting there watching somebody else do the work. Somebody else do the work of the Lord. They're sitting there, but not only that, they're reasoning in their hearts. Because Jesus just said, thy sins be forgiven thee. They're reasoning in their hearts. They're not talking out loud. They're reasoning. They're thinking in their minds, who does this guy think he is? Who can forgive sins but God? Now, the Bible didn't say they were smart scribes. <coughs> Because if it said that, they, if, if it told what they really were, I think they were dumb scribes because they were trying to say, this man, who does this man think? He, well, he is the son of God. I mean, you know, he, he does have the right to say what he was saying. But their reason, they're thinking these things, and I like what happened next. I like it, verse 8. And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said to the, to, unto them, why reason ye these things in your hearts? You know what he just said to them? Can, can you picture it? The scribes are sitting there and they're thinking the things that they're thinking and Jesus turns to them and says, why are you all thinking what you're thinking? You're thinking this and this. Why are you thinking that? Can I remind you he knows our thoughts? He know, can I remind you nothing's hid from the Lord? He knows what's going on in your life. He knows what's going on in my life. He knows our thoughts. He knew their thoughts. He turned to them. That kind of, does that remind you of your mom? Huh? Come on, I mean, this is where I think moms are a lot like Jesus. My mom was, I think my mom was a lot like Jesus in this, in this aspect right here. 
Because I would come home from school. I'm like 12 years old. I'd come home from a Christian school in the van. I'd get out of the van. I'd walk up to the house. I'd walk in the house. And as soon as I'd get in the house, my mom would go, Jerry, why did you do such and such today? I would think, I just got home. The, my two sisters are with me in the van. The two world champion tattletales are with me. They haven't had time. They didn't text mom on the way home because when I was 12 years old, we didn't have text. And I know you young people are thinking, how old is that guy? I'm 60, all right? And I'm not bitter about it either. I'm just 60. I'd say, mom, most of the time in my case, it wasn't, why did you do such and such? A lot of times in my case, it was this. Mom would say, did you say such and such today? Because I know this is hard for you to understand, but. When I was younger, I had a hard time sometimes controlling what I said. I know that. I know that's hard to believe. <laughs> I know that's hard to believe, but I would say things I shouldn't say sometimes when I was younger. But now that I'm older, I'm over most of that. My mom would say, did you say such and such today? And I'd say, Mom, how did you know? You know what my mom would say? A little bird told me. A little bird told me. I'm 12 years old, and I'm real concerned my mom's talking to birds. That's, that's really bothering me that my mom would talk to birds. She'd say, a little bird told me. I got a BB gun. Brother, I, I, I went out, and I killed about 1,000 birds. I never did. I never did get the one that was talking to my mom. I mean, even later in life, she's still talking to that same bird. But I think, that, I think the look on my face when my mom would say that was the same look that was probably on the scribe's face when Jesus said, why are you thinking such and such? Why are you thinking these things? Had to be a shock to him. But Jesus tells him, he says, Whether it's easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise, take up thy bed, and walk, that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. Listen. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. What a miracle took place in this man's life. If we could stand this man here tonight, he would probably say something like this, I'm so thankful for what Jesus Christ did in my life. I'm so thankful for the change he made in my life. But also I'm thankful for those four men that helped get me to Jesus. Because Brother Randy, if they hadn't helped him, we wouldn't have this story. But these four men grabbed a corner of this guy's bed and helped get him to Jesus. And Jesus changed his life. And I want to remind you, there's a world full of people out there. And you know people and I know people. They need Jesus Christ to do a miracle in their life. But somebody needs to grab the corner of their bed and help get them to Jesus. That's part of bringing them in. Bringing them in. Get them to where Jesus can make a difference in their life. Because he, he, we know he can. We know what he did for us, so we know what he can do for others. What's it going to take? What's it going to take in my life? And what's it going to take in your life? for us to get to the place where these four men were. What's it going to take? Well, I do a lot, Brother Jerry. I do a lot for the Lord. I understand. Could we do more? But could we do more? Well, I pass out tracts, and I invite people to church. I, I, I ask a lot of times, I've asked this question in many churches a lot of times, when's the last time you invited somebody to church? When's the last time you invited somebody to church? I understand there's people that still do, but there's some that haven't in a long, long time invited anybody to church. I mean, you got a good church. you got a good place to come and worship the Lord. you got a good preacher that preaches the word of God. We ought to be inviting people to church. 
This man came to where Jesus was, and Jesus changed his life, but it was because four, four men got him there. What's it going to take for me and you to get to where these four men were? And we'll grab the corner of somebody's bed and give them to Jesus. What's it going to take? Well, I'm glad you asked because I was about to close. Again, when you ask questions, I have to answer the questions. So let me answer those questions real quickly. Um, four things? Would four things be okay? Let me give you four things that's going to have to happen in our life. There's many things that could happen in our life. Let me give you four things that's going to happen, have to happen in our life for us to get to where these four men were. We will grab the corner of somebody's bed and get them to Jesus. Number one, we're going to have to have his compassion. I didn't say compassion. I said his compassion. Because everybody's got some compassion. And everybody's passionate about some things. But I'm talking about his compassion. I'm talking about Good Samaritan type compassion. I'm talking about the kind of compassion when the father saw the prodigal coming. He had compassion. I'm talking about all through the scriptures where it talks about our Savior. It says when he, when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion. I'm talking about the kind of compassion you have when you see somebody standing on a street corner with a sign, but the first thought you have is not, they don't want a job. Well, they got there because of this. Isn't it amazing how smart we are? We know everybody's motives, yet we don't know anybody's motives. We don't know, we don't know why anybody's in the situation they're in. How about his compassion? His compassion. I'll just be honest with you. As independent Baptists, we're not known for being a compassionate people. And rightfully so in some cases. In some cases, there's some people that seems like they have very little compassion. And there's some preachers that seem like they have very little compassion. But I sure find my Savior had a whole lot of compassion. And that's who we're supposed to be like. We're going to have to get his compassion. We were, a few years ago, we were, me and Miss Jenny were at the ranch. And we were talking to a lady, I think, in the office. And so we missed lunch. And it got into the afternoon. And I told her, I said, you know, we've missed lunch. It's almost 3 o'clock. I said, let's just run into town real quick and get some lunch, and we'll come back. So we jumped in my truck, and we headed into town, and we went into Eufaula, big town, the big town of Eufaula. We have two stoplights. And so we got into the big town of Eufaula. We may be a small town, but we got three Mexican restaurants. God's good, <laughs> I'm telling you right now. And I love Mexican food. So we went into the, to one of the Mexican restaurants. We pulled in, and we parked out front, got out of the truck, and went in. Nobody's in there, of course, at 3 o'clock. There's two waitresses working in there doing some cleaning. They both come and start waiting on us. And, they, you know, I started just small talk, you know, just to talk to him because, you know, as being the pastor in town, you're supposed to be nice. And so I started talking, and I said something to him like, uh, y'all like, how do y'all like your jobs here? You like, you like working here? And they're like, oh, yeah, we love our jobs here. This is a great place to work, except on Sundays. Mm. I knew where they were going, Brother Eric. I knew what was fixing to happen. But I'm just, I'm not one of those that can leave well enough alone. I pick, I pick at the sores. I really do. And so I said, except on Sundays. They said, oh, yeah, except on Sundays. We don't like to work on Sundays. And I thought, oh. And I looked out the window, and instead of pulling my truck up to the building, I parked out in the parking lot. Several years ago, Miss Jenny got me a license plate for the front of my truck. I drive a Chevy Silverado because I'm a man. And she got me. <clears throat> I don't have a trail boss. Somebody's driving a trail boss in the parking lot. Oh, my soul. If you were in ministry, you couldn't have one of those. <laughs> I have a silver truck just like that. It's just not the trail boss. But on the front of it, there was a license plate that says, Preacher, Miss Jenny got me. Ruined my life. It has ruined. I can't have road rage. 
When people cut me off in traffic, I just have to go, it's no problem. <laughs> it's fine. If you need back in, just come back here. But I got preacher on my truck. I can't do anything. Can't say anything. Nothing. Because I, I, I go through the drive-thru and they get my order wrong, which is 95% of the time. If they get my order wrong, I'll look in there and the lady goes, there's something wrong? I'm like, nope. It's just perfect. I like this too. Don't worry about it. I preacher <laughs> on the I can't say anything. It's just... I looked out the window, and instead of pulling up to the building, I parked out in the parking lot, and it was almost like a neon sign. Now it's just blinking, preacher. It really wasn't, but it just seemed like it, because I knew where she was going, and I said, what's the problem with Sundays? And the other girl spoke up. She said, oh, that's when the church people come in. Hmm. She said, you can't please them. They're rude, and they don't tip. You know what I thought? As they walked off, I looked at Miss Jenny, and I said, you know what? Those two girls, Brother Nathan, they're going to be real hard to reach for the Lord because they've been mistreated by church people who did not have his compassion. Listen, to reach people, folks, we're going to have to love people. To reach people, we've got to have compassion. Not our compassion, but his compassion. We've got to have his compassion before we'll grab the corner of somebody's bed and help get them to Jesus. Not only that, we got to get, number two, we've got to get full of God. Did I say four? Number two, we're halfway there. Somebody say amen. <laughs> we got to get full of God. We got to get full of God. Our problem is we can't do nothing like this to help anybody get to Jesus. <clears throat> we're too busy with stuff. Come on. We're too busy with stuff. Either our favorite program that we like to watch, our favorite ball team we like to watch, recreation. I'm not against recreation. But I'm against recreation if it comes before the things of God. If it comes first. I said this morning, it might have been in Sunday school, about our area of the state of Oklahoma. Now, the Little League's on Sunday. And in our county, the Little League's on Sunday at 11 o'clock. And people who claim to be saved, but they're not full of God... They're full of Little League and recreation. We'll take their kids out of church on Sunday to go play Little League, and they're teaching their kids that that's more important than the things of God. It's amazing to me. Parents that would not let their kids miss Monday school, Tuesday school, Wednesday school, Thursday school, Friday school, but they don't have no problem with them missing Sunday school. Hmm? Monday school, you learn about math. Science, English, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Sunday, you learn about Jesus. I think when you kind of weigh out what's more important, hmm? I mean, we know what's important to some. Yeah. We've got to get full of God. Some, can't, some will never be able to grab the corner of somebody's bed and help get them to Jesus because they're so tied down to things of this world. It, whether it's making the almighty dollar, and I understand people have to make money to live, but some people are making money to really live. And I'm not against that. That's not a problem. That, that's a blessing, especially when the offering plate goes by. I'm thankful they made some money that week. Or I used to be. Now, as I'm not pastor, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care if anybody puts money in the offering. But pastors sure care. And when I was a pastor, I sure cared. But we're so tied down to the things of this world. And those things have become more important than our service to the Lord. And there shouldn't be anything more important. God's done way more for me than the world's done for me. Yeah, I'm going to say it one more time because I think it deserved more than that. God's done way more for me than the world's done for me. 
we got to get full of God. To get full of God, we've got to empty ourselves out of some things. To fill that bottle up with water, it can't have anything else in it if it's going to be full. And if you're going to be full of God, you're going to have to empty yourselves of some things, listen to me, that don't matter. That don't matter. We spend a lot of time on things, a lot of time on things that don't matter. Now, I'm not against recreation. If you preach against hunting and fishing, I'll fall out with you. I'll walk out of church. <laughs> if you preach against, I love to hunt and fish. I love, I love sports. I don't love to play sports. I mean, look at me. I don't, I'm 60. I don't love to play sports, but I love to watch sports. I mean, who wouldn't when you live in the state of the Sooners? Who wouldn't love sports? A little bit of OSU stuff going on around. And people are just, you know, they're just not got their senses right. And they're just thinking wrong. And they're not serving the Lord like they should. And their heart's not right with God. And they'll like wrong teams. But when you get your, he's leaving. <laughs> I, hey. I've had them walk out many times. <laughs> but I'm not against sports. I'm really not. I'm not against recreation. But if it comes before the Lord, that's a problem. That's a problem. We did those things. But Eric, we used to take vacations. Did you know on Wednesday nights my dad made us go to church on vacation? I said, Dad, why? we're on vacation. He said, but we didn't take a vacation from God. It's, it's rough being the son of a preacher. I'm just telling you right now, it's tough. I'm telling you. But it, that should be for all of us. we got to get full of God for us to grab the corner of somebody's bed and help get them to Jesus. Well, I'm just not one of those to talk to people about the Lord. I'm just not one of those that can invite people to church. I'm just not one of those that can pass out tracts. Let me tell you something. You get full of God, you'll be shocked what you can do. You get full of God, you'd be shocked what all you didn't think you could do that you could do. I heard a story. And so when I hear a story, I always like to look it up. So I looked it up and verified it. I watched a video of this. I looked it up on the internet. So it's got to be true, right? Okay, I verified it, and to my knowledge, this is a true story. I've watched the video of it and everything. And this is the this is way it read. I copied it down off the internet. It says this. Alabama lost one of its true legends on Sunday, according to Laughlin Funeral Home. Former Crimson Tide fullback Tommy Lewis died in Huntsville Retirement Home at the age of 83. Lewis is best known for coming off the bench during the 1954 Cotton Bowl to tackle Rice running back Dickie Magel. Magel was on his way to what was sure to be a 95-yard touchdown run when Lewis stepped off the Alabama sideline to make the tackle. Although there was confusion on how to handle the situation, referees gave Rice the touchdown. It was the longest play in Cotton Bowl history. Even though Magel never made it to the end zone, the Owls won the game 28-6. Now, for you ladies that don't keep up with football, number one, shame on you. But let me just say this, if you don't know what I'm talking about here, you can't come off the bench and run out on the field and make a tackle in football. You have to be in the game, okay? That's what happened. That's what happened. Tommy Lewis, Dickie Magel's got the ball. You can see it. You watch the video. He's down by the end zone. He's running the other direction, and he's all alone. I mean, he's gone. He's running down the sideline as hard as he can go. Nobody's around. You see Tommy Lewis get off the Alabama bench and start running down the sidelines next to him. I guess nobody thought anything because he was just running beside him out of bounds. He gets to the 40-yard line. Tommy Lewis comes on the field and just T-bones him and just lays him out. Tommy Lewis comes back off the field, runs down the sideline, runs back over to the bench, sits down, and hides behind another player like nobody would ever know. I mean, you can watch the whole thing. It's a black and white video. That's how long ago it's been back in Miss Jenny's day. And so the very next week, the very next week, Tommy Lewis and Dickie Magel are on the Ed Sullivan Show. Now, if you know the Ed Sullivan show, you're old. Just telling you, you're old because you know Ed Sullivan. 
They were on the Ed Sullivan show. Ed Sullivan asked Tommy Lewis, he said, Tommy, what were you thinking? He said, you are a football player, and you're a good football player. You know the rules of football, and you know you can't just get off the bench, run out on the field, and make a tackle. What were you thinking? Why did you do that? This is what Tommy Lewis said. He played for Alabama. This is what he said. He said, well, sir, I'll just tell you. He said, I saw him running down the sideline going for that end zone, going to make that touchdown. And he said, I just couldn't stand it. He said, I just felt like somebody needed to do something. He said, I was just so full of Bama. I felt like somebody needed to do something. And I thought, you know, if we just get full of God and get some of that other stuff out and get full of God, we'd find ourselves doing things we didn't think we'd ever do. We're going to have to get full of God. For us to get to this place where we're going to grab the corner of somebody's bed, help get them to Jesus, we got to get full of God. Full of God. And to get full of God, we got to get full of this book right here. Got to get full of this book. Not only that, number three, and let me just say this, three and four are nowhere near as long as one and two. Amen. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen, yeah. Number three, what's it going to take for us to grab the corner of somebody's bed and help get them to Jesus? Got to realize you never know who you're helping. Got to realize you never know who you're helping. It's those people 35 years ago. My dad took the first man in the City of Refuge program at Calvary. First man came. We had just boys at the time, boys under 18. He took the first man over 18, and that's what inspired my dad to, to build a program for men too, and now we primarily just take care of men and couples at the ministry now. But the very first man that came was a man by the name of Bill Marshall. Bill Marshall pastored as pastors of church. This morning he stood behind the pulpit and preached in St. Joseph, Missouri to probably 400 people. God changed, made a difference in his life, changed his life. The first two weeks he was at the ranch, he laid on a couch, and I would take, laid on a couch covered with blankets. I would take food into him, set him on the table, set food on the table there. He'd sit up and eat and just lay back down, cover back up, trying to get off the drugs that had messed his life up and just ruined his life and just tore up his life. His wife and two daughters said they wouldn't have anything to do with him anymore if he didn't change. His, him and his wife are together today. His daughters are grown now. God has blessed him. I can remember going in and taking those meals in there. And Brother Nathan, I can remember going to my dad saying, Dad, I don't think he's going to make it. Dad said, well, we just got to pray for him. He'll get his heart right. I said, no, I think the guy's going to die on that couch. He is in such bad shape. His life was so messed up. But God changed his life. God worked in his life. And I'm telling you, I've been up to St. Joe, Missouri and preached for him. I preached for him a couple times a year. It's a, it's a highlight for me to get to go to St. Joe, Missouri, preach for Brother Marshall when I know where he was at one time and I see what God's done for him. You never know who you're helping. You never know. Hey, listen, those kids you invite to church, that you help get to church here, the next pastor of this church could be one of those kids. You never know. You never know who you're helping. The, the vacation Bible schools and the camps and the things like that that you do for the kids, and I understand you have to raise money and you have to do this and that and try to, try to help the kids get to camp, and it's a lot of work. But the next great preacher in our country may be that kid you put on a van and sent to camp. You never know who you're helping. Got to keep that in mind. That'll help you grab the corner of somebody's bed and help get them to Jesus. That preacher that you, that you is a hero of yours, that you love to hear preach, you think is one of the great preachers in America today, do you realize somebody grabbed the corner of his bed and helped get him to Jesus? Somebody grabbed the corner of your bed and helped get, him, get you to Jesus? Yeah, you got to realize. You got to realize you never know who you're helping. But let me just say this. If you're not doing anything, you need to realize you're not helping. You're not helping. Somebody needs to do something. And then lastly, what's it going to take for us to get to where these four men were? What's it going to take? 
I think it's going to take this. I think it's going to take a renewed amazement. And I think you made reference to that this morning, a renewed amazement that God would use us to do something for him. I, Brother Eric, that amazes me, that God has a job for us to do, that he wants us to serve him, that he wants us to tell others about him. You've got to realize, you've got to get to the point, you've got to get a renewed amazement. Do you remember when you first got saved? Remember when you first got saved, how excited you were about the things of God? What's happened? What's happened? I mean, there was a time we were excited about doing something for the Lord. We were on fire. I don't know how many churches I've been in. Brother Eric, and I've had people come to me and say something like this. Well, I used to do this for the Lord. I used to do that for the Lord. I used to be a Sunday school teacher. I used to, and I'm thinking, if you walked over here to me, you could still be all that. If you can breathe on a piece of glass and fog it up, you can still do something for God. I used to. I used to. No, I think we need a renewed amazement that God would allow us to do something for him. These four men grabbed a corner of this guy's bed and helped get him to Jesus. And I'm just telling you, there's men outside. There's ladies outside. There's kids outside the walls of this church. They need somebody to help get them to Jesus because Jesus can change their life. I think, that's, I think that in a nutshell also describes the ministry at Calvary because there's men that need to get to a place. What do, you, what do you do for the men there, Brother Jr.? What kind of program do you have? What, is, what all is it you have? What's the, what's the pill they take to get their life straightened out at the ranch? Here it is right here. This is what we have. This is what's going to change a life. They've already been through all the steps. Every program the state has for them, and it didn't change anything in their life because Jesus Christ is the only one that's going to make a difference in their life, just like he did for this man in our story. But, he, but the change was made in this man's life, not just because Jesus made the change, but also because four men said, somebody needs to do something. How about we get this man to Jesus? Because Jesus can change his life. Now, you may be sitting here tonight. You need Jesus Christ to make a difference in your life. He'll save you and he'll make a difference in your life just like he did for this man. I don't know what your need is. If you're lost tonight and you're on your way to hell, I can tell you one thing he'll do for you tonight. He can change all that and you can be on your way to heaven if you'll accept Christ as your Savior. I don't know what your need is tonight. Maybe like me, maybe you've been convicted tonight that I could do more. There's more that I could do. I grabbed some tracks off the back table today because I don't want to give our tracks out in Oklahoma City or in more. I want to give your church, but I want to put some tracks out. I'll put some tracks out tonight before I leave. I'll do that because I'm thinking that somebody could pick up one and come to church here and get saved and God change their life and God use them in a great way and they do something great for God because I left the track somewhere. But I'll say this, if I don't do anything, there's no chance of that happening. Somebody needs to do something. Somebody, how about you? How about me? Well, I do some things, Brother JR. Yeah, but... Could we do more? Could we do more? I want to challenge you tonight. Grab the corner of somebody's bed and help get them to Jesus. Because we know Jesus can change their life. We know what he can do. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Eric, for letting us be here.